You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome. Welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am your Uncle Daddy. I am Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Hello, listeners and subscribers, and happy birthday, Joe. Coming up on today's show, we have platinum passes for your asses. Okay, we're not giving any away on this show. Don't mean to make it sound like that, but it is the state of the platinum human union. Excuse me. Our first PSPC update of 2020. Where are we at? Who's got them? How'd they get them? How many are left? How can you get those? We're going to get to the bottom of all of that on today's show. We're going to hear from a couple of recent platinum pass winners, Rick Bleakley and Greg Armand. Two guests for the price of one. Uh, and that price is still free. <laughs> we are going to get in their heads a little bit and try if we can't remind them uh, how fucking lucky they are <laughs> to be going to PSPC 2020 in Barcelona in August. Uh, I was very excited to finally see the movie in question for today's super fan subject. A movie Emphasis called, on the word was. Yeah, uh, Hudson Hawk. Uh, and I'd like to report a murder. Uh, Greg Kaufman, this week's super fan, likely to not survive if he ever meets me. This movie was horrible. I literally stopped watching it for a while, like totally tuned out. I could not like I picked up my phone and and scrolled Twitter knowing that I was going to miss questions today because I couldn't I couldn't do it. Pool hole junkies is fucking apocalypse now compared to this movie. <laughs> anyway, more on that to come. A reminder that if you would like to be a super fan, please pick a better specialist subject because we're now over two in the last fortnight. Um, please apply using the hashtag poker in the ears. But remember, we also need that all important review, Joe, wherever people are listening to this yeah. podcast, leave your review, preferably five stars, cut and paste that review with your chosen specialist subject. It doesn't have to be a movie or TV show. It can be anything. Um, and use the hashtag poker in the ears. And it's the same hashtag to use. If you're got anything you want to say about like the if, show, if you end up watching Hudson Hawk, as a result of this show and want to chime in with I your favorite it. Hudson Hawk moment, use the hashtag. Um, most important question of the week. Are we allowed to discuss your new gig, Joe? Because you kind of were at the end of last week saying, I might be able to say more. I might not. Is anything in writing yet? What's official? What isn't official? There is nothing in writing, but I have a plane ticket. So that's in writing. I am officially leaving on Sunday to go to Mississippi where, uh, the card counter is being filmed with Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, Willem Dafoe, Ty Sheridan. All will be there. I am uh, I'm officially the poker consultant on this movie, and uh, I will be there in Mississippi when we record next week's podcast. This is really exciting stuff. So this movie, The Card Counter, written and directed by Paul Schrader, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Last Temptation of Christ, directed one of my favorite films of all time, Mishima. Joe, you still have my Blu-ray. Please get it signed. I just I just put it back in my backpack, so I won't Thank forget you. it. Um, and I think last week it was announced that Martin Scorsese is on board as an executive producer of this film. You just revealed the stellar cast. I'm intrigued to see 
how this turns out because with this talent involved, this could be a really good poker movie unless you ruin it. Um, <laughs> but the weird glitch that we referred to last week, I guess you can now say that the person you met with last week was the star of the film. Yes, I met with Oscar Isaac last week. I went to New York and had it, spent an afternoon with him just, just talking poker. And I will say this, uh, his basis of poker knowledge was already there. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to start with, this is a straight. This is a flush. Um, he, he had been playing poker for, for some time, at least uh, recreationally. So it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't like a huge leap for him to, to be in this role. And the weird glitch is Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron, in the Star Wars movies, you've been coaching him. Four and a half years ago, I did a poker coaching session with John Boyega, Finn from the Star Wars movies, <laughs> uh, who did not have any knowledge at all of the game. And also, I'm not quite sure whether any of what I said got through because he was utterly freaked out by my eyebrows, which he kept saying repeatedly. So it was not the best poker lesson I've ever delivered. And nor, I think, was he the more, most receptive student wait, wait, I've wait. ever had. So, so you're trying to teach John Boyega how to play poker and he can only talk about your eyebrows? Man, your eyebrows are seriously, seriously freaking me out. What? I mean, it's a, I'm sure it was an affectation. John is an absolute joy to be around. And bear in mind, this was before Force Awakens had even come out. This is before John Boyega became a star, before everyone knew his name, before Star Wars hype had really entered his life. Right. Uh, this was when we were filming the Neymar duels. You might remember we did those uh, heads-up battles with sports stars and celebrities. And I think... Going back to 2015, we talked about the shoots in Paralada and Madrid on the podcast. And I think a year later, you and I did a TV recap where we talked specifically about all of those videos. The poker playing in those heads-up matches was not particularly good. And I am not going to take the blame for John Boyega's <laughs> lack of understanding of heads-up hand ranges. Well, luckily, what we will be filming in Mississippi will be scripted. So we won't have to count on anyone making any decisions in the moment that might not be GTO. Now, I'm not promising that the this, the poker that you'll see in the movie will be GTO, but uh, we're going to at least try to make sure that some of those common things that we see in poker movies that tilt us so much, I will do my absolute best to make sure that none of those make it in there. Joe, I just want to say good luck. We're all counting on you. D please don't say that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't need that kind of pressure. Uh, I did, James, I, I watched a movie over the weekend that I wanted to run past you because I don't want to put it in the same breath as Hudson Hawk, but I did watch another movie that was widely considered to be genius and one of the all-time great movies, and I thought a lot of it was actually quite bad. Uh, I watched a movie called Cinema Paradiso this weekend. That film is from 1988. Yeah. Um, so it was my, my friend's birthday, my friend who is a, a writer. And she said, look, I'm having a, a very small birthday to get together. My favorite movie is Cinema Paradise. So I'd really like And I was like, you know what? I've never seen it. And I've heard it's like this touching tribute to the magic of James. This was two hours of watching other people watch movies. This film is paradoxically better and feels shorter in its longer version. So you watch the two-hour cut, right? Because the original Italian version, the original director's cut, is closer to three hours. Oh, yeah. No, I watched a two-hour and five-minute version. Right. And no, I, I mean, thought that the sections where he's a teenager, I thought were completely 
worthless. That's I love all the stuff. I- okay, there's an interesting story behind this. Okay, <laughs> this film was acquired in the 1980s by a pair of movie producing brothers, one of whom has been in the news recently. <laughs> and they had a habit of buying foreign language films, butchering them, and then trying to capitalize on their success on the art house circuit and trying to win awards with them. Yeah. And Cinema Paradiso was no exception. I think there was a belief that the Americans will love the stuff with a the little kid. They'll find that really cute. But all the stuff where he then joins the army and in later life, cut all that out. That can stay on the costume. 40 minutes of this movie removed from American audiences. And it's a shame because I think I think it's a slightly overrated film. I don't think it's a masterpiece. But in its yeah. longer version, it's a fine film. In its shortened version, it's nowhere near as good. It's so odd. I'm glad that that's the case because I agreed that I love the parts where he was a kid. It felt like there was a huge leap uh, from when he's a teenager to an adult. Uh, I felt like they glossed over a lot of things. And there's a f- very strange stuff at the end where, spoiler alert, guys, uh, where he comes back and somehow um, his his friend's wife is still alive, even though she should probably be like 120 and looks younger than his own mother. It's, I, I knew there had to be something missing from the movie. And story checks out. Yeah, indeed. Surely, though, the, you must have got the feels at the ending when he watches the montage of all the kisses that the priests had cut from all those classic movies. I did. I did. But the problem is I was watching this movie in a group of people. And so it's everyone not a film was... that you should watch with a group of people, by the way. It's not that yeah. kind of film. And so everyone was like, what was on the reel? Why didn't they say what was on the reel? And I was like, obviously, it was all the kissing on the reel. And then my friend was like, they, they haven't gotten to it yet so i like spoiled it from everyone not knowing it was coming uh, up but uh, I, I appreciate I right i appreciate you watched the bowdlerized version please tell me it wasn't the dubbed version no 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 no. okay no, it was a reedy it was it was a reedy okay um <laughs> i there's not that much i've actually been able to watch in the last week um the new season of all or nothing has just started on amazon prime this so. is the football thing yeah yeah every year <clears throat> nfl films is embedded with a different team and normally it comes out in the summer they were embedded with the philadelphia eagles during the last season and it's just come out each season has its own kind of like vibe the focus yeah. here is how difficult it is in the Philadelphia market where Eagles fans are notoriously hot and cold. If you're on a winning streak, they love you. If you're on a losing streak or in the case of certain wide receivers, if you drop one ball in one game, you're kind of one step away from getting death threats. And By the, hot and cold, you mean uh, hot is lighting cars on fire. Well, and <laughs> it's not just the fans. It's also all of the talk radio stations, just how, I mean, in a way, it's really nice how enthused they are by the game the and by their team. It, it's like the lifeblood of the city. Yeah. It's really, really scary. But that means that there are other shows that I've not had the chance to watch yet. I haven't seen any of the new season of Curb. I got the email alert from Netflix this week to tell me that new episodes of Better Call Saul are dropping. Haven't had a chance to watch that yet. I watched the first 20 minutes of the new Better Call Saul, but I could tell. I don't know. if Does your, does your wife do this, James, where my girlfriend will... Um, We'll sit down to watch something, and I can tell by her position on the couch that she's not going to make it, but she refuses to admit it. And so I have to do the thing where I wave my hand in front of her face every couple of minutes to see if she's awake. 
I know that she's just going to, it has generally very little to do with whether she's enjoying it or not. I did watch, uh, so I did, I barely, but it was very interesting this start of the season anyway. Uh, but I also watched the first episode of Mythic Quest on uh, Apple, which is an Apple TV show. The first Apple TV show I've tried to watch and I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I have, still haven't gone down the uh, Apple TV Plus route yet. I have pre-ordered Disney Plus, though, which launches in less than a month's time. What do you get for pre-ordering it? Uh, a huge discount. So I think okay. instead of paying 60 quid for the year, it's going to be like 50 quid for the year. Still, okay, cool. still expensive, but not that bad in the grand scheme of things. Uh, right. Let's take our deep dive into the PSPC 2020 and our State of the Platinum Union. We are approximately six months out from the second PokerStars Players Nolan Hold'em Championship, which will be held in Barcelona, 20th of August, as part of the EPT Festival to be held this summer. Now, Joe, this might have passed you by. I'm sure everyone Probably. was aware that <laughs> when we launched PSPC 2020 in Barcelona last year, we didn't say outright how many platinum passes were available. We didn't say how many could be won between August 2019 and August 2020. Well, at the start of February, we revealed that 100 platinum passes have already been awarded and more than 220 are still to be won. So let's do the hey. math. Let's do the math, right? Yeah. 100 plus 220 is 320. That's how many platinum passes were given away for the first PSPC. But that line more than 220. That means more than 320. That means there will be more qualifiers in the field this time around than there were during the first one. That's uh, that's good news. You know, I was afraid when the number was uh, not revealed right away, I was afraid it might be less. I was afraid it might be fewer. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So at the time of this recording, the total number of winners is close to 150. I think it's fair to say there's been a huge focus online in the last few weeks and months. Uh, Platinum Madness running at the moment. We had the Megapath satellites that we've talked about before, and they are going to be back in March. So the Megapath is going to be back. Not to say there aren't live opportunities. Um, Road to PSPC, which was kind of born out of the Moneymaker Tour, I guess. Low right. buy-in events that give players the chance to enter a 100 euro or 200 euro tournament and win a platinum pass road to PSPC events are scheduled for Spain in Valencia in France in Le Grand Motte and in Germany in Hamburg plus there's going to be a platinum pass giveaway at EPT Sochi which is exclusive to online qualifiers we're going cool. to be giving away platinum passes during the EPT Monte Carlo festival and of course there's going to be some fun promotions outside of live events many of which are in the pipeline watch out for details hopefully we can confirm some stuff soon um i have got three hashtag fun facts about what's happened with platinum pass winners so far joe okay so the first thing is to say that there was a moneymaker event at the Seminole hard rock just before christmas and of course this is all about giving the salt of the earth the recreationals <laughs> The chance to win a platinum pass. And Scott Baumstein, a professional poker player who frequents high rollers and, in fact, finished fourth in the inaugural PSPC, won this Moneymaker event and has won a platinum pass. It's good to see one going to the little guy. Uh, 
This is an amazing stat. Andre Akari hosted the Road to PSPC in Brazil. Don't tell me Andre Akari won one also. No, he didn't. A guy called Sebastian Gavino from Peru won this event. But the headline stat here is that this event attracted 4,142 total entries. Oh, my God. Breaking all South American records. We know that the poker boom is still going in this part of the world, but even by South American standards, this was a ridiculous turnout. And the final hashtag fun fact is that Jennifer Carter, two-time Platinum Pass winner, went on Canada's The Morning Show to talk about being a two-time qualifier. And, of course, The Morning Show were like, um, can you send us some footage of Jen playing poker that we can use to illustrate this interview? So... First of all, we sent them uh, a Vimeo link to like some shots from the PSPC TV shows, the first PSPC. Of I mean, there was, the plenty of, there was plenty of footage of her. Of course. All that footage was time-coded. And they said, yep, these shots are great. So, of course, then that was just like an MP4 on Vimeo. So then we sent them like the actual high-res footage to use. They never downloaded that link. They just ripped <laughs> the MP4 stuff. So they're showing these clips of Jen playing at the poker table, and there's time code on the screen, which is kind of like, we've got hold of this exclusive footage that we should not have. It's like they it's like it, they filmed it off of a computer with a phone. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. I know that broadcast standards are a little bit lower now than they were back in the day, but... They're just sh- they're just showing like a ripped Vimeo link on TV. <laughs> oh, I know, but t- t- taking nothing away from the fact that it was a really good interview and really nice to see Jen Carter, you know, flying the flag for poker on Canadian TV. Yeah, that is cool. I suppose we should probably speak to her between now and the next PSPC just to sort of get another, you know, see what's different, what's changed because she didn't cash in the first one. I would imagine you would think the PSPC was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And now she's got a second in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm pretty curious to speak to her myself and and see what she's going to try to do differently this time. Well, come August, I'm sure we'll be recording our PSPC preview episode. And I think Jennifer Carter should definitely be on that show this week. We're going to talk to two other Platinum Pass winners, uh, find out how they qualified for the PSPC. Uh, first up is a gentleman by the name of Rick Bleakley, so we say. Welcome to Poker in the Ears. Rick, hello. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Hey, Ricky, what's up, buddy? Hey, good to talk to you guys. So, Rick, first of all, congratulations, belated congratulations. Just remind us, when and how did you win your Platinum Pass? Yeah, so uh, thank you, thank you, Um uh, it's uh, it's been quite a <laughs> quite a surprise for me. Um, so before uh, I think it was just before Christmas, um, I was getting getting calls from uh, poker stars uh, asking me to verify my account. And uh, so when they called, I I didn't know what it was about. I had no idea. And uh, I think I said to the guy on the phone. Uh, I, I'm not playing right now. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I wasn't even sure if it was a scam. <laughs> You must have been aware that you'd actually entered something. You must have been aware that you'd actually com- taken part in some form of competition. Well, yeah, I, 
like I follow, I'm, I'm, I'm a real poker fan. I'm not much of a player or, or haven't been in the past, but um, follow lots of, of guys and players on Twitter. And so, um, so at some point, one of those guys must have retweeted a competition and I filled in a form and lo and behold, mine was the name that was picked up. And uh, so, so I had no idea. I don't actually remember entering the, the thing. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy because I know that these guys uh, put an awful lot of work into playing satellites and all sorts of competitions to to get into the contest. And there's me, just some some poker fan who filled in a Google form, and lo and behold, my name is the one that, that came out. So, Rick, so, do, you, uh, uh, yeah. do you enter a lot of online competitions? So many that you. Uh, don't remember them, or is this no, something? No, I'm really not. No, I don't. It's just something that came up, and I just popped my name in the hat and just forgot all about it. I, I literally don't even remember doing it. That is brilliant. So no, no wonder it was so weird then when you've got all these people chasing you saying, uh, "We need to verify your account. We we really, really need you to do this." Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I thought I at the start I thought nothing of it. I thought, oh, it's probably like a, a promo thing. You know, I've won like a, a five dollar satellite or something um, to do with that. So I was really trying not to think like, oh, this is this is the big one or something. And um, I had no idea that it was it was actually real. So um, so yeah, it's it's incredible. And that's amazing. My follow up question is, and and there there is no wrong answer here I, I don't think your platinum pass can be taken away if you answer this wrong so don't worry about it do you yeah. even want to play it oh yeah absolutely i mean i i've watched every every minute of uh, of the P, pfcs pcas epts i think i've watched all the poker on youtube like i'm a massive fan and all the time whenever you're sitting watching it going Oh, it would be the dream to be able to do this. So, um, fuck yeah, so fuck yeah, dude! Absolutely incredible to to have the opportunity to do it. You know, so, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm part um, terrified, so I go from this pendulum swing of being absolutely terrified to being absolutely elated just at the the opportunity to sit down in a room with these guys and see if we can make something happen. But hey, you never know. Um. You said yourself that you're more of a poker fan than a poker player. Have you ever yeah. played a live game? Have you ever played in a casino in an actual tournament? Uh, no, I have wow. not. <laughs> yes. The, the best thing I've come to live poker is playing at our little home game, which was the thing that got me into it in the first place, where um, every single guy plays every single two cards. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's just a fun, fun night. So the... Um, so yeah, I think in a sense it's going to be easier. Uh, I think to play against um, people who actually know what they're doing than it is than the guys who just limp every single hand, you know. Um, so in the in the last few while, I've been doing a lot of homework, a lot of research, a lot of online play. Started playing a lot of uh, of micro tournaments and a little bit of cash just to um, just to get the to get uh, a handle on it, but uh, it's going quite well so far. It's going quite well. Because there's two ways you could approach it, right? You can think, okay, well, it was six months out, so I could spend that six months getting loads of experience playing live poker, or I could be such a boss that I walk into Casino Barcelona and say, <laughs> the very first live tournament that I will ever play will be a $25,000 buy-in. Yeah. Well, the, um, I'm going to try and get a bit of live experience before then. I'm going to um, go over to Lex Live in April over in London. So this is my uh, this is my year of 40. I'm turning 40 in March. 
So, um, so just to get a bit of live experience and a bit of table experience, I'm going to go and do Lex Live, which is uh, which isn't too expensive. So we can afford to do that, and I think that'll give me a bit of uh, face-to-face experience and see how I go with that, and uh, hope to have a bit of fun doing that, and uh, maybe pick up a few. There's um, there's no games up in Northern Ireland at the minute, so because live poker is not actually legal, but there's quite a lot of games down south in Dublin, so I might go down there and see if I can pick up a, a few games and see if I can get some experience there. But uh, yeah, whenever I go into Barcelona, I will not be a, a tenured table player in the live sense. So. <laughs> well, tell us about your life in Northern Ireland then. You're clearly not a professional poker player, so uh, what do you do? What's your life about? I am, uh, my trade is a web designer and IT nerd. Um, so like I do IT consultancy and support for lots of companies. I work for myself. And um, so I uh, I do lots of uh, like business systems and server maintenance and all that sort of nerdy stuff. So yeah, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool nerd. And what do you do when you're not working? When I'm not working, i uh, married. I've got two kids. And um, I have, uh, I'm a musician as well, so I play the guitar and I have a recording studio. And uh, what well, so, uh, No, just a um, little, little office down the road that I that I um, that I hire. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so I record audio books and do a bit of my own music and uh, record music with other people as well and stuff. So, do what a bit kind of, that. of music? What's uh, like? Give, give us a riff. Uh, yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna actually uh, remix your "Everyone Loves a Chop Pot" uh, and do a little jingle for you because it's ripe for a bit of improvement. Then. Oh, I, I would uh, completely agree. Yeah, Excuse me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it could be spiced up a little bit. Yeah. Well, by actually having some music in it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree that the, the non acapella version is definitely going to be preferable for sure. <laughs> Yeah. You say that um, you've watched a lot of poker on TV and yeah. you've watched all the shows on YouTube. How did you discover the game? What what got you into poker in the first place? Um, a friend of mine uh, just invited us round for um, a bit of a home game, like five pounds to play and uh, have a few beers and, and mess around. So we do that once a month. And after, after a few months of losing and having no idea what I was doing, I decided to, this little competitive uh, streak in me sort of kicked in. I started doing the classic thing of going on YouTube and doing a bit of research, trying to find out how to play better, what sorts of starting hands to play with, and what sort of strategies to employ, and ended up going really, really deep on it. So I'm, I'm a really competitive person, and um, so poker is a very frustrating game for someone who... Is very competitive because you just end up, uh, you know, there's, there's so many elements that are out of your control um, and playing against other people who are sort of as amateur as I am, it, uh, it, it the variance in the game is one of the frustrating things. So um, so I just really geeked out on, uh, on all the strategy and started learning DTO versus exploitative play um, and looking at different player styles, watching lots of live poker and um, understanding the psychology of things. And um, so I got myself to the stage where I'm, where I'm okay, like I'm profitable online. So I've, I've been doing a bit of a bankroll challenge, put my 20 cool. points in and I'm up to 300 and something points now. So um, although playing cash, I find, is 
um, is pretty easy. So like playing in the micros, like 5 and L, 10 and L is pretty easy. But uh, tournaments for me is just a different ball game. So yeah. I'm trying to work out the adjustments that I need to make for tournaments. And, um, you know, so being... Uh, being less aggressive in certain spots or um, being more aggressive and when to bluff, when not to bluff. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic, but um, certainly still a lot to learn, but uh, I've come a long way so far. So I've got a bit of time. So I'm reading a lot of books as well um, to, try to, to try to get my game up. And, you could take uh, uh, Hardigan's tournament course, which is fold your way down the 20 big blinds and then fold your way to the money. <laughs> it's a solid strategy and it works every time and all i would say is in it this, does work quite a bit in this particular situation when you consider that you're free rolling and a min cash is going to be five figures it's worth taking on board yeah absolutely well funny you say that i was just what my wife and i have been re-watching last year's psbc when spraggy did that and he uh, <laughs> yes. he just hung on and hung on and he managed to ladder up a couple of spots and um, after the bubbles so hey it's possible yeah he also didn't even realize he was doing it which makes it even funnier okay um, <laughs> now obviously a lot of the pros that you've watched on tv a lot of the pros that you've maybe studied from are going to be in barcelona in august playing this thing is there anyone you're looking forward to meeting? Is there anyone you're hoping won't be on your table? Yeah, there's a few guys I've watched. Um, I love Charlie Carroll's stuff online, so um, but it's, I would also really not like him to be on my left. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Maria Lampropoli is a complete baller as well. So um, like I, I just love her style of play. Yeah, uh, very aggressive. And, you know, she would just sort of look at you with those puppy dog eyes and, uh, and say all in and I have to fold no matter what it is. <laughs> um, love Patrick Antonius or Daniel Negrani or any of those guys. Um, again, I don't know if I'd want any of those guys at, at my table. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to have fun and uh, it's going to be such an amazing experience to, to sit at the table with him. Now, as far as the other qualifiers are concerned, the other Platinum Pass winners are concerned, have you had a chance to talk to any of them yet? I know there's a Facebook group going. You said you're going to be coming over to Lex Live um, in a couple of months. Uh, so have you, are you part of, of, of the Team Platinum Club? Yeah, I'm part of. I've joined their little Facebook group there, and so um, so I've sort of had a, a bit of a connection with a couple of players. There's one other guy who's who's from Northern Ireland who lives just a couple of miles up the road, Tom Parsons. Oh yes, he got his platinum pass through uh, last year's Lex Lives. Yes, so. we had him on the podcast. Oh, did you really? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, we've we've just connected, and uh, I've been uh, stalking him on his live stream a bit and watching his Twitch streams. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping to get together and meet meet a few more faces at Lex Live. I know there's a, there's a number of those guys have got their platinum passes in place as well, and a lot of the Twitch streamers. So, um, so yeah, hoping to hoping to meet them and um, seeing them in Barcelona as well. Fantastic. Now, before we let you go, Rick. Joe, do you have one of your trademark stupid games for our Platinum Pass winners? I do. We are going to play a game that we're calling Chasing Platinum. Oh, it's a different Chasing game. Platinum. That's right. Okay. It's a different game than last time, I think, unless I uh, made the same game and just forgot. Anyway, uh, I'm going to name something uh, something Platinum, i.e. A, 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 a Platinum-selling album. As a musician, you should be familiar with some of these. You're uh -oh. going to tell me... 
the album that the artist chased this platinum album with, meaning the album that came right after it. And there is multiple choice, okay? So don't worry. Uh, there's five total questions. If you get three right, you win. If you get three wrong, you lose. You ready? What's my price? You get to leave this podcast with uh, with your head held high. No one leaves this podcast with their head held high. But I tell you what, I will do. Especially as you've offered to make a musical version of the Chop Pot jingle, I will make sure you get one of the brand new "Everyone Loves a Chop Pot" T-shirts from the new Poker in the Ears range. Perfect, perfect. And in exchange, I will make that jingle for you guys. Awesome, cool. All right. Well, here we go. Question number one: Chasing Platinum. The album Thriller is the number one selling album of all time. It went 33 times platinum. What right. album did Michael Jackson chase this platinum with? Was oh it Oh my goodness. Was it so, Bad? Was it Dangerous? Was it Off the Wall or was it Readem and Weep? Let me see Bad was 90, was it? Earlier than that, 88. I think bad. Bad was my first choice, so I'm going to go with bad. That is correct. You're on the board. You're one-third of the way to a Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Question number two here in Chasing Platinum. Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction went 18 times platinum. What did Guns N' Roses chase this platinum with? Was it the Spaghetti Incident, Use Your Intrusion 1, Use your intrusion too, or GNR lies. Uh, I have no idea. Not a Guns N' Roses fan. Uh, GNR lies. GNR lies is correct. Wow, two for two. <laughs> I made that one a little easier because "Use Your Intrusion" wasn't the name of one of their albums. It was "Use Your Illusion." Okay. Question number three: The Bodyguard soundtrack went 18 times platinum. What did Kevin Costner chase this platinum with movie-wise? As in, what was his next film? Was it Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Bull Durham, When the Dust Settles, or A Perfect World? It's going to be Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Got to be. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is incorrect. It was actually the least memorable of those choices a perfect world was the movie kevin costner did after the bodyguard uh two correct one incorrect question number four according to wikipedia which we know is not always correct (laughs) there are only there are only two albums to go multi-platinum after 2010 one of the artists was adele which artist is chasing adele's platinum with the other platinum album. Was it Adele, Nickelback, the Duke Silver Trio, or the Reggie Gibson Band? So, please tell me it's not Nickelback. Uh, After 2010? I think this is a trick question. Oh, it's Adele again. It has to be Adele again, wasn't it? Was that one of the options? It Adele was. was one of the options. Are you choosing yeah, Adele? Yeah, I'll go for Adele, yeah. Adele is correct. That's right. The only two albums after 2010 to go multi-platinum, according to Wikipedia, were both Adele. Uh, you I did it, my dude. Was, 
I was quite nervous. It was actually Nickelback there, but uh, <laughs> now well. Nickelback <laughs> did go did go multi platinum, just not post two thousand ten. Okay. okay. The fact that it happened in any year, in any decade, in any century, it's still, it's still yeah. absolutely horrific. <laughs> uh, congratulations uh, again for winning the Platinum Pass. Congratulations for winning the T-shirt as well, Rick. A joy speaking to you. you. And we look forward to seeing you in Barcelona in the summer. There is a chance we might see you in London in April at Lex Live 3 as well. That would be class. It would be good to see you guys in the flesh. Rick, thank you very much for sparing the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much. See you guys soon. All the best. Bye. Thanks, Rick. Good luck, buddy. Poker in the ears. So let's speak to our second Platinum Pass winner this week. We welcome to the podcast Greg Armand. Hello, Greg. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Greg, buddy, Platinum Pass winner. But uh, you're not this. You're not like someone who... Uh, you're not like a like a house husband that just won this, are you? Uh, you mean in terms of my <laughs> so experience wise, poker or, or yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I guess I mean I've been playing for a while, so um, yeah. But basically, just recreationally. So it's just I, I've always you know worked. I've I've never been a professional player, so I've just always uh, been able to just play on the weekends or just for you know competition and recreationally just to. You know, because it's just uh, I used to play a lot of sports when I was young, and it's just as you get older, the poker tournaments kind of replace. Uh, you know, that's why you you have a lot of athletes and stuff that play uh, tournaments and all that as they get older. So just for the competition, you know, it's just the the mind. Not a bad string of results for someone who claims to be a recreational player. Controversially, we did do some research. Sixty nine caches since twenty fifteen, including a fourteenth place finish in the EPT National in Barcelona last year. Right, that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. And you won your platinum pass at a live event by winning a tournament. That's correct. Yeah, so I actually won uh, an online. Uh, there was a promotion, uh, seven. Uh, let's see, nine tournaments. Uh, so one a day, and it was a winner take all would win uh, the ticket to the sit and go, and uh, then we would all uh, reunite in uh, the. It was actually my home casino, so. Um, all the nine winners would reunite towards uh, and play a format, a sit-and-go, and, go, and um, I was just really motivated to get in on that. So I played almost every night, and I just really wanted to win because it was in my home casino, home court advantage, and also I feel really comfortable playing sit-and-goes. That's kind of how I started playing poker. Like When online poker was, uh, you know, like 15 years ago, it, it was sit-and-goes in America. That's all, you know, on the weekends. And after work at night, you'd come home, you could play sit-and-goes, and and then uh, before Black Friday, so it was just uh, I just felt really comfortable with the uh, the sit and go format. So I felt if I won that ticket, I would have a really good chance of winning the, no matter who the opponent was, because I had a home court advantage and also just my experience in sit and go. So and France France doesn't uh, play a lot of sit and goes online. It's kind of they're more just uh, tournaments now. But um, I came from the era of American online poker, and we had sit and goes nonstop back then. So <laughs> that's so you were. You were well versed in sit and go strategy, but for, forgive yeah. me here. Um, sure. You talked about playing sit and goes in America, but th- I, right. I see that you won your platinum pass in your home casino in Provence. Uh, right. What's going on there? Uh, well, so I moved to France a couple years ago, actually. So I, uh, I'm uh, bilingual. So my my mom was American, my dad is French, and uh, so I'm born in uh, in Paris. But I I spent about seventy five percent of my life in the states. So I was educated uh, here. I worked here. Um, and, 
yeah, so I mean, half my family is American, half is French. So I just, I just decided to move to Europe a couple of years ago. And uh, one of the reasons was for the online poker. I mean, just because you could play online and I just really, it's just great to be able to play from home and just be comfortable and play on Sundays. And, you know, you can play in your bathrobe and all that. And I miss like in America, we could do that a decade ago and now we can't do that. So that was one of the reasons. And then also just for work. I mean, I, and also, I mean, Europe, I love Europe. I mean, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful place. You hop on a plane, you're one hour away to, you can go to Sweden in an hour, go to Barcelona, take high speed trains, a lot of things that we don't have in America. So there's certain parts of, uh, I was just kind of, um, yeah, it's just been a great adventure. And I, I love these EPTs because the, the EPTs, I mean, they hold them in these amazing, uh, locations like Monte Carlo, Barcelona, and I'm in Vegas right now and, uh, I don't want to bad mouth Vegas or, but for me, it's just a horrible, it's like a small dose. I can deal with Vegas small doses, but it's a terrible place compared to some of these, <laughs> you know, compared to Prague or, you know, these beautiful locations like, Monte Car Barcelona is an amazing, it's where the world's, you know, I mean, every poker tournament I think should be in Barcelona or a beautiful city and Vegas is just excess. It's just, it's not a great place to be. So <laughs> I just, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going back to California tomorrow. I can't wait to get out of here. So I'm still in Vegas right now. I got to get out of here. So I think everybody feels that way about Vegas. But at one even point when you win another. money, even I'm up on my trip. I wanted a bunch of money in Vegas, but I just don't like it here. I want to get out of here. <laughs> so that, that's it. So. So the casino, yeah. the casino in Ion Provence, where you won the Platinum Pass, that's yes. your local. So that's where you live in France. Where right. is your home in the States then? Uh, so Santa Barbara. Uh, yeah, basically Santa Barbara. I've been living there for the last 20 years. Um, and But I mean, I have family up north too, near Monterey. I went to high school in Monterey, um, near Monterey, like in, uh, uh, yeah, in that, that area, Monterey, like uh, Pebble Beach, Carmel, uh, Pacific Grove in that area there. So, And then I have a lot of family um, just up north. Uh, most of my family is up north, actually. They're um, just, yeah. So, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So what work do you do that allows you to divide your time between France and the States? Right. Uh, so I have a clothing business, so I, uh, export, uh, American clothes. I sell them in France. I've been doing that for about a decade now. And then I also do, uh, just investments. So I used to be a broker. I used to work for uh, UBS, the, the brokerage firm. And then, uh, so I just kept doing that. I just, uh, just investing and, in, you know, trading. And so I'm kind of, I'm up, you know, at 6.30 a.m. when I'm in the States and in France, I'm working from 3.30 in the afternoon every day. So it's just, it's kind of like online poker. I mean, you just, <laughs> you got to be stuck in front of your computer and, and uh, it's very volatile and you got to watch, you know, so it's, but that's it. There's no free lunch in life. So you got to, yeah, you just got to grind. All Whatever of this you do, for, for delivering packages? Yeah. <laughs> UBS, not UPS. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so how confident are you feeling about the PSPC? Clearly, you've played a lot of live poker. Clearly, you've put up some great results. Have you ever right. played anything at this level before? Absolutely not. So no, the biggest, I've played a couple 10Ks and I've I actually haven't had good results. I mean, I played the main just one year, and uh, I played uh, these uh, national tournaments for the in Cherokee uh, for WSOP. And I um, no, I mean, it's uh, I really I haven't had great results. And in Prague, I made day two of the EPT main, and I had uh, Steve O'Dwyer at my table, and then a, a Dutch young kid, very good player, uh, Ton Mulder, and just it was just another level. I had a German guy uh, who the poker code guys with Fedor, um, Matthias Ebinger. Yeah, I mean, it's just another level. I mean, these uh, high 
So I mean, I'm, but it was a great preview for the high, for the PSPC, the the day two of the main. There, I had uh, O'Dwyer and just uh, I used to play online against O'Dwyer. We final tabled. I had a screenshot still, of, yeah, 15 years ago when we were both final. I used to play a lot against him online, like 15 years ago, and then I quit poker uh, after Black Friday, and he continued, and he became a great player. So. And yeah, no one basically. ever heard from him again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve who? Exactly. So, I mean, I feel, I, I, I feel confident because I've been putting in a work, the, a lot of work. I got a coach, uh, a great, uh, British, one of the top British players. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say who it is, but, uh, and I've been working a lot and I'm just trying to really, um, I've learned a lot just since the platinum pass, since I got a coach and, I'm, I've always tried to exercise every day. I swim every day and all that because I, that really helps with the grueling tournament. Um, just the, the way it goes, like days, you know, when you play days on end for 12, 15 hours, you uh, you really need to be in shape. And then the next thing is I need to eat healthier and just um, that's that's really my vice is just eating bad food and, and all that. So um, I just uh, I feel prepared and I'm the next couple months, as soon as I get back to France here, um, I'm just going to be really focusing on just that PSPC. I may not play much live. I'm just going to be playing a ton online and because I think I have enough live experience now. And, uh, but I want to be ready for a lot of those uh, internet players who are going to be playing the 25K because the, the top players now are all, they're mostly internet players. And I, I just, uh, yeah, it just helps a lot to, to play every day and put in volume against those players. So just mind, body, you know, uh, I'm just going to be try to be a 100% version of myself for the summer and just, uh, but I feel confident because I think this is going to be hopefully my first big score in terms of big tournament buy-in because I've been able to do well in sub 2000 tournaments, but I've never been able to do well in an EPT main or yeah, or any big tournament above uh, $2,000 really. I've never had a big score. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it changes the summer. I'm I'm hoping that other platinum pass winners uh, do what you're doing, not just in sort of uh, being physically and mentally prepared, but in hiring a coach. Because I felt like a lot of platinum pass winners just absolutely got their lunches eaten uh, okay. at the PSPC last year, just being unprepared for the sort of the you know the targets they're going to be in right. a tournament like this. You know they're going to be scared money. They're going to be um, easily pushed around. And I think that with the number of chips you start with, it can be very appealing to splash around a lot in the beginning and then to easily have those chips taken from you. So I'm hoping that the, in general, now we had a platinum pass, uh, winner win the entire thing, which is great. I'm hoping right. in general, we see more, uh, platinum pass winners cash this year. And I'm hoping that they learn from the mistakes of some of the platinum pass winners of before. Right, absolutely. And I actually watched the stream. It was fascinating. I watched the your coverage of the uh, uh, in the Bahamas last year, and it was fascinating to watch how the pros their strategy of really bullying day one, yeah, uh, really kind of actually excessively. I mean, you had some Brazilian guys losing, you know, eighty percent of their chips on to amateur, and then but then you had it was really fascinating to watch that strategy of how the amateurs were playing the first couple uh, day one and day two, and then the bubble and. Um, yeah, it was it was it was really that was actually really uh, informative. Just watching the stream of the 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 Bahamas version, yeah, the, the episode one there. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Really, I'm really excited. I'm so grateful. I mean, I think it's wonderful what Poker Stars did for, um, yeah, for enabling you know people with you know without the bankroll to play these kind of tournaments to play versus the top players in the world. And even if I don't cash or 
it's still going to be an amazing experience because, I mean, it's a great holiday. I'm going to my favorite city for poker, beautiful weather, great food. You know, I mean, it's just a wonderful place. And I'm still going to be able to play a tournament that was completely out of my range in terms of bankroll. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good with my bankroll management. And I, I would right now I've never envisioned playing a 25K, but this is going to be great. So I'm just really grateful for how generous uh, poker stars yeah, I think it's a wonderful marketing idea just to do that, to be able to put a random, you know, you have you have teachers. I saw there's a lady who knits or something. Jennifer Carter. I just think that's great. You know, you have these people from all walks of life that are playing this 25K. It's not at all full of sharks or, you know, it's not like, yeah, I just played the main here at Rio in, uh, in Vegas uh, just two, three days ago. And it was like 80% pros. And it's just people who live here and who just play poker all day and it's not very fun to play with people like that you know that james you played that tournament at the rio didn't you what do you mean that the, the event that turned out to be a single table tournament where someone was able to rebuy when we were on the bubble yes i played that event <laughs> <laughs> uh we look forward to meeting you in barcelona in the summer greg and who knows Great. maybe you'll feature on the stream this time around um there is one small thing one small ritual yes. that you have to go through slash endure before we okay. release you back into the wild um sure. joe has a game he has prepared i'm assuming okay. this is chapter two of chasing platinum joe oh i'm chasing platinum that is correct this game is called chasing platinum uh okay. what i'm going to do here my friend is i'm going to uh read off a fact about a platinum album or, or musician artist. And uh, you have to tell me what their follow-up, what their chasing platinum album was. It's multiple choice. Ooh, uh, okay. Very easy. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. Uh, question number one. In 1987, my, George Michael's faith went platinum. With what album did he chase that platinum album with? Was it? Songs from the Last Century, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 2, or was it Bathroom Stalls and Wedding Halls? <laughs> Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1. That is correct. <laughs> okay. I still remember my brother is a big music uh, buff, but I, he, he used to buy those old vinyls. And, uh, we had the vinyl, the George Michael, the... Uh, uh, yeah, we had all the vinyls. We had the Michael Jackson bad. We had the Guns N' Roses. We had everything. So I'm wow. I'm well. You just named Michael Jackson bad and Guns N' Roses, which were two of the questions that we asked earlier in the show. So, uh, question number two. Let's see if your brother had this one. In 1990, by the way, first to three. If you get three correct, you win. Three incorrect, you lose. Question number two. Okay. In 1990, MC Hammers, please hammer, don't hurt him went 10 times platinum. With what album did Hammer chase that platinum with? Was it Feel My Power, The Funky Headhunter, Too Legit To Quit, or He Never Made Another Album? Wow. I was in France then, and I don't... Uh... You're too busy listening to Zook Machine? No, I was playing a lot of basketball. I think Too Legit to Quit. <laughs> too Legit to Quit is correct. Wow, <laughs> two for two. <laughs> Question number three. In 1994, the Forrest Gump soundtrack went 12x platinum. What platinum did Tom Hanks next chase, i.e., what movie did he do next? Was it Toy Story? Was it Philadelphia? Was it When the Dust Settles? Or was it Apollo 13? 
Philadelphia. That was a great movie, and I was a big Forrest Gump. I had the soundtrack, so I would say Philadelphia. That was an amazing movie. I believe that Philadelphia came before Forrest Gump. That is oh. correct. Philadelphia did. It was a great movie. Did come before Forrest Gump. We're looking oh. for Apollo 13. Wow. So you are two okay. and one. I never saw that one. Okay. Well, I never saw the space one. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't as good as Apollo's 12 and 11, but. Okay. <laughs> question number four. Yes. In 2008, Taylor Swift's album Fearless went okay. 10x platinum. Okay. <laughs> With which boyfriend? Did she chase that platinum? Which of these fellas was she with at the time? Was it Joe Jonas, Taylor Lautner, Harry Styles, or Simon Cowell? Wow. I have no idea. I've never. Wow. Uh, just the, I guess the Joe Jonas guy. I really don't know. I have no idea about that. Joe Jonas is correct. You've done it. You win. Boom. You are a winner. And because we extended a prize to our previous Platinum Pass winner, we will also allow you to have a T-shirt from the Poker in the Ears exclusive range. Wow, that's very nice. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. And a reminder to everyone listening who wants to follow in your footsteps, uh, who wants to follow in Rick's footsteps, that keep an eye at PokerStarsLive.com for details on future promotions, future ways that you could win a free ticket to this year's PSPC. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So we come to that part of the show that is normally one of my favorites because we get to meet a member of the Poker in the Ears community and crucially, we get to give our listeners prizes. Greg Kaufman, you don't deserve prizes. For the oh, second no. week in a row, I am massively tilted. I've had to watch and write questions about an utterly shit film. In fairness, that is how I introduced my super fan subject. I said yeah. it was a horrible movie. Okay, so... This movie, if you remember, I remember from my youth as being like the butt of every bad movie joke for like a solid five, six years. Hudson Hawk this, Hudson. And then something happened where it kind of uh, came around that like, hey, it turns out Hudson Hawk really isn't that bad. Um, it was just kind of like the butt of the joke back then. I had never seen it. This movie deserved every, <laughs> every bad thing that was ever said about it. I still don't know what this movie was. It was the most, it was like cartoonishly, it was like literal cartoon sound effects from time to time. Yes. And then people got would get decapitated. Yeah, totally it has issues. And I think that the film the director wants to make versus the film Bruce Willis wants to make were not the same thing. And I think I'm right in saying this is the only time that Bruce Willis has ever had a story credit. It's the only time he's ever been involved in the writing of one of his movies. No wonder it was the last. I make no apologies for, uh, <laughs> for enjoying it. If, for whatever reason, this hit me when I was in high school. I loved it. It was terrible, but that's kind of what I loved about it. Yeah. And I, I, I just enjoyed it. So there I hadn't so seen it in 20 years. I hear you, because there are some films you can watch, and you know they're bad, but you can still enjoy them. This is so bad, and it's so tonally awkward, I can't even enjoy it. I, I, I can't explain it. 
like often my girlfriend will will watch the super fan movies with me just because there's it's what's going on in our house and this one she was like i would rather do work and she took out her laptop and worked through the second half of this movie uh, this I might gotta, be why my wife has not really spoken to me much since we uh, watched it last week. Can we? I know that we have to do the game, but can we all just take a moment to say what our favorite part was? Because my favorite part was when he fires a tennis ball oh, yeah. at, a, at the Scotty dog that is mauling <laughs> Annie McDowell. And it hits the dog with such force that it propels it end over end out a castle window. Yes, ladies I and gentlemen. It. I actually rewound it and watched that part a second time. Bruce Willis kills a dog. I think I don't want to say too much because otherwise I will betray some of the questions okay. in this quiz. All I will say is my favorite moment was realizing this is from the same star, producer, and writer that gave us Die Hard. Huh. Oh my god. The same writer as Die Hard? Steven E. D'Souza. It- it's like winning a tournament in one day and finishing first out in the, the, the next day. I mean, it's better than bubbling two tournaments, I guess. Do you have a favorite moment, Greg? Do you have a favorite scene in Hudson Hawk? I, well, the song um, uh, Side by Side has been through my head the whole time. I enjoy that part. But the, the line when uh, uh, George Kaplan is on the roof of the car flying off the cliff screaming, my pension just kills me. I don't know. <laughs> Are you laughing at the joke in the film, Joe? Or are you laughing at the fact that Greg enjoys that line so much? No, I'm laughing that, like, I just remembered, oh, my God, that was a line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're going to have plenty more discussion about Hudson Hawk because there are lots of questions to ask about them. Right now, Greg, we want to know about you. Genuinely, we are happy to speak to you, and genuinely, we do want to give you prizes, despite your choice of superfan subject. But tell us the Greg Kaufman story. I am a, uh, of course I work in IT because you have to, I can't be a super fan. Um, I actually work in politics. We do uh, a company I work Ooh, with. No politics. Edit, edit. I, I work in, I'm not a politician. When you, you work in politics for a long time, you either go into it and run or you become cynical and jaded and hate all the people you work with. And I'm firmly in camp too. Oh, yeah. um, I, I, we do fundraising. We do fundraising for not-for-profits and some political parties. And that's, uh, that's what I do. Uh, I've played poker since university, so 25-odd years, and uh, played online on Stars since not quite the very beginning, but it was 2005 that I opened my account, so pretty close to when it fired up. Um, yeah, and I enjoy tournaments and such. Um, have two kids and a wife, so that limits the amount of poker I can play, but I still get out there every once in a while. Well, hopefully we can ship you some EPT satellite tickets, and hopefully we can also send you some Poker in the Ears merch. The format of this week's quiz, slightly different to normal. There are 20 questions. So 10 questions, but each one has a bonus. The key thing this week is no stealing, but here's how it works. So, Greg, let's say, for example, you pick the first question and you get it wrong. Joe automatically gets your bonus. So so if you get your question right... You get the bonus. If you get the question wrong, your opponent gets the bonus, and that will be the only stealing that goes on. Um, I am loving this plot twist, like Danny Aiello being part of the Mayflower. (laughs) (laughs) Or the fact that he survives at the end because there were sprinklers installed in the car. Not a spoiler, because that is not a quiz question. Okay, so... Mr. Kaufman, Greg, our guest, our superfan, you get to go first. All of the main questions still have the multiple choice options. Bonus questions don't. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. 
Always coming seven. Question number seven. On a scale of one to ten, how much of an arsehole is the lead character... No, I'm trolling. That's not the real question. Uh, question seven. While the candy bars are spying on Eddie and Anna, what does Butterfinger suggest doing to them? Hold on a second, guys. I just want to remind everyone that there is a group of CIA spies all named after candy bars, and they all eat the candy bars they're named after while they're undercover. Go on. Correct. Do you know the answer to the question? I believe he wants to rape them. He does want to rape them because rape humor was so big in the 1990s, apparently. Uh, two points, and that means you get your bonus question. What do the other candy bars tell him to do instead? Read your book, Butterfinger. Read Correct your book. for one bonus point. Oh, wow. Joe, any question other than seven? Uh, God, question, question number two, because this movie was a gigantic deuce. When Eddie collects his personal items from prison, what does he tell the guard to keep? Um, what does he tell the guard to keep? Uh, I, I was I was even paying attention at this point, but I'm going to need the choices. Is it a $1 bill, his watch, his empty wallet, or the receipt? The receipt. Keep the receipt. So it means you get your bonus question. What is the name of the crooked parole officer? Uh, meh, I don't know it. It was Gates. Remember, no stealing here. So, Greg, uh, two and seven have gone. Let's go one. In which year does the prologue take place? Oh, it's 14... 1481? It is for two points. And your bonus question, it's a tough one. But I think you might get it because you seem to know a lot about this film. Who plays the narrator? Oh, um, Conrad. Um, is that good enough? Last name Conrad? Give me his first William. name as well. William Conrad. It's it like, is for the bonus point. Wow. Okay. Well, the only reason I know that is because it's the Heart of Darkness, same similar name that just registered with me. Okay, then. Joe, I think you're in trouble, buddy. I am in trouble, but that's, uh, that that started the second I started watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going next on the board? Uh, I'll just keep it low. Let's go with two. Okay, question number three. Which song do Eddie and Tony sing during the auction house heist? Uh, that is Fly Me to the Moon. It is not. It's Swinging on a Star, and that means uh, you get the bonus, Greg. That's how this okay. works. How long is the track? <laughs> it bothers me that I know this. Five minutes, 32 seconds. Correct for the bonus points. And it's your question. Four, five, six, eight, nine, or ten? We'll go with four. How much does Minerva bid for the horse at auction? Oh, is and one. Is a hundred million and one? A hundred and one million dollars. I'll give it to you for two points. And your bonus question. After the explosion, how does Bruce Willis get knocked out? He... Oh, was it the pillar that fell on? No. The, that, that statue thing, the horse came came swinging. and uh, I'm not going to give it to you. It was a unicorn, not a horse. <laughs> Good. You finally got something wrong. Hey, can I ask you a question about why, why was there an explosion in that scene? It never made sense. Why? The whole movie doesn't make sense. No. Stop thinking about it. Why, why, why do Richard E. Grant and, and, and Sandra Bernhardt betray the candy bars? That makes no sense either. Uh, five, six, eight, nine, or ten, Joe? Let's go with five. What's the name of the character played by James Coburn? 
James, uh, I'll need the choices. Is it George Kaplan, Grant Keenan, Greg Kilburn, or Gus Kilgore? George Kaplan. It is. And your bonus question, what is the cinematic reference being made here? By the, by the name George Kaplan? Correct. Ooh. I know that name sounds familiar, but I don't know why. I don't know. It's the name of the fictional agent in North by Northwest. Oh, wow. Another super fan subject. Correct. Six, eight, nine, or ten, Greg? Six. What is the name of the dog that munches on Eddie's genitals? Bunny. For two points. And your bonus question. Eddie implies that he would have climaxed if the dog had been allowed to keep going for how much longer? <laughs> oh, I don't know. A couple seconds? No, he needed two minutes to get off. Uh. Uh, eight, nine, or ten. You do realize that anyone who uh, hasn't seen this film is thinking, what the fuck right now? <laughs> I, think that, I think that people might actually go watch it. Like, the, the way we're describing it is that you really have to see it to believe it. In, yeah. in fairness, it was easier to find than last week's movie. That is true. That's literally the only positive here. Eight, nine, or ten, Joe? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the mold and go with nine. What does it say on the note that Kit Kat gives to Anna just before he dies? I always liked you. Correct, for two points. And your bonus question. When Anna is captured, she feigns insanity and keeps talking about which mammal? Dolphins. Correct. You got the full three points there. Well done, Joseph. Final question, Greg. Eight or ten? What's the score right now? Just curious. Uh, you have a sizable lead. Okay, eight is good. Which toxin are Eddie, Tony, and Anna poisoned with? They're Karari darts. It is Karari for two points. <laughs> And how long is the timer on the first bomb fired in the apartment? Oh, I think Fucking it's two minutes. Fucking ages. <laughs> two minutes. It is for the bonus points. And the final question is question number 10, and it goes to Joe Stapleton. Which song do Eddie and Tony sing during the castle rescue? And I mentioned uh, it earlier. You did. I'll, I'll take the, uh, the choices. Is it Suspicious Minds, I've Got You Under My Skin, all of me or side by side side by side for one point and your bonus question complete the quotation looks like you won't be attending that oh looks like you won't it, it makes no sense when he <laughs> it's says it what it does though it's, it's the one thing that made sense in the movie the worst quip in cinema history looks like you won't be attending that wedding put him out of his misery greg that hat convention after you hat convention oh fuck yes <laughs> you don't get the point greg but you do win the game uh, just out of interest i am going to give you the tiebreaker and greg i'm just interested to know whether you know this in a conversation with the film critic mark kermode richard e grant described this film as a misunderstood masterpiece completely bonkers and utterly awful a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey droppings that's the one it is indeed. The, th the final option <laughs> was be. a damp, ugly stain on the pants of cinema history. Uh, no, Richard E. Grant is not proud of this opus. Uh, the final score, 14 points to Greg, 6 points to Joe. Uh, so you should be, because you know far too much about something that should be consigned to the lost portion of cinema history. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, though, Greg, and congrats. We're going to get in touch with you to get your details. Fantastic. Thank you. And I uh, just want to say that my I, my son is also a huge fan of the show. 
We listen oh. together all the time. Probably shouldn't, but we do. So, hi, Adam. Hello, Hello Adam. Adam. And do something about your dad's taste in movies. Uh, Greg, thanks for your time today, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Just one last thing to say on the subject of Hudson Hawk, by the way. Uh I appreciate that that quiz might have tempted you to, just out of curiosity, to investigate, to see what this is about. Don't. It is one hour, 40 minutes you can spend doing literally anything else, and it will be time better spent. Is that all it is? I know it feels like double that, but that's all it is. Hour 40. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, let let James and I suffer so you don't have to. Uh, coming up next week, it is Health and Fitness Part 2. I love this title James has given it, Mind Over Muscle. Well, we had the muscle guy, right? We had Zach Ainsley on the podcast last year, and that was about physical health and fitness. Now we're going to focus on mental health. That's right. We'll be joined by mind coach to the poker stars, Elliot Rowe will be on the show. James, I'm just, I, I've been avoiding Elliot for a long time because I don't like improving myself in any way. And I'm hoping that I won't accidentally improve my own mental health by speaking to Elliot. I so kind you of may feel have to handle that. There's the seed of a bad reality show here. It's like, can you improve anyone? Because we think we have a candidate who is beyond <laughs> help, who is beyond redemption. Well, I will likely be uh, doing the show. I don't likely. It's like pretty much a done deal. I'm going to be doing next week's show from Mississippi. Hopefully, I will be able to share things uh, from the movie. As you guys can probably tell, uh, there will likely be some stuff that I will have to keep under my hat. But I will find out from those guys what exactly I can share and when. Hopefully, I will have one or two anecdotes from the set of the count the card counter. Next week's super fan subject is Snatch. A movie I've been wanting to rewatch for a while. I haven't seen it probably in a decade or so. You see, I have no desire to rewatch this film. Fortunately, my memory of it is good enough that with the assistance yeah. of Dr. Google, I'm pretty sure I can compile the quiz. I have a love-hate relationship with Guy Ritchie films, which is I love to hate them. Um, that's actually not fair. When I first saw Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, I actually really enjoyed it. And it's only on repeated viewings that I've realized that it's actually just not that good a film. And Snatch, I thought, was a pale imitation of Lockstock, which is in itself a pale imitation of so many other films. So I'm not a fan, but having endured Paul Hall Junkies and Hudson Hawk, I'm not prepared to donate any more time this month to terrible films. That's all right. Your your fucking brain is good enough. You you remember enough of it. You don't have to rewatch it. So, movie stuff. Elliot Rowe, Mental Health, Snatch, all coming up next week. Until then, comment, like, subscribe on the show. Do us a solid. That is all the time we have got for this week's show. However, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.